Hey, welcome to another episode of the New York Comedy Club podcast brought to you by Paper House Network. I am your host, Nick Angelo, and today I am joined by a familiar voice, Amy Hawthorne. Amy, welcome Hello. back to the show. I'm glad you're here. How are Hi. you? Um, you know, um, that's not a question you can <laughs> off, ask these days. Off to anymore. a great start. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we, well is my answer. <laughs> we are joined by the very funny, one of our favorites, Joe List. Joe, thanks for taking the time and coming on the show today. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, I got time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to be here. I mean, I'm pretty good. It's like, it's like you said, it's, it's a weird time because it's hard to be like, I'm great. Um, <laughs> but it was strangely, I'm like doing a lot of work on my mental health and I have a lot of downtime and it's less stressful because I'm not traveling. So it's like the worst time in the history of the world, but I'm like, I'm doing okay mentally like i feel pretty i i feel better mentally now than i did you know four years ago when it was like peacetime yeah, yeah. like joe list is doing great in joe list world but overall we're all struggling in the big big picture yeah i mean i'm hopeless don't get me wrong i have no, <laughs> I have no hope for uh, that society just goes, that goes without saying these days too yeah exactly it's hard to um have hope but what can you do yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of hope, not to not to start this podcast on a, a complete downer, but you, it, it dawned on me the other day that we are about to enter like the most important five months of modern time, just in time for hurricane season. And we're just like, well, this is, um, this is really important. What's about to happen in the next five months. And, uh, all right. So buckle up and it just it's kind of it's kind of daunting not to not to bring you down joe i'm sorry you just got done saying you're feeling great and here's here i am like oh yeah we're all gonna die no i mean i've heard reports that it's gonna be like a horrible hurricane season and like they're talking about you know climate change and hurricane season in a time of covid and all this stuff and but here's what i keep what makes me feel better is it's all out of my control i can't like for my whole life i tried to prevent natural disasters and stuff by just being like, <gasps> like you, can't, <laughs> you can't just will things and kind of letting go of that helps at least the, the mental aspect of like, all right, there might be hurricanes. We'll just have to deal with that. Yeah. That's like, it's funny. Not uh, ha, ha, funny, but like that was sort of like the mental work I was doing with myself. One of the things I was really focusing on right before all this happened was knowing what's outside your control and like how to, deal with that uh and like be cool about it and then um, like as soon as the pandemic hit and everything had to shut down and we all you know nobody had jobs and then never mind way before uh you know we're starting to have a civil war here i was like okay well here's how to test if this has worked <laughs> right that's that's how i feel with like i've been meditating and stuff for years where i'm like i've been training for this for years this is like this is it's like that this is not a test here we go yeah. Yeah. This is what I've been working for all my life. I, it, you know, I do the same thing. I, Amy, like it's like you said, I, I try to, uh, you know, focus on what I can and can't control. And unfortunately, sometimes that reads as I don't care. It's like, yeah, I don't care. It's, it's, it's almost just the, a defense mechanism as in like, Hey, I can't control that. So, you know, I, I care. I hope everyone's safe, but I, what am I going to do? And it's uh, it's it's been tough. It's been a tough couple months. I mean, it's think about that. A couple months we've been doing this. It's almost becoming second hat. I would go so far as to say a few months. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's crazy. But what the strange thing about COVID, the COVID uh, quarantine aspect is. I'm now getting used to it. Like, I'm kind of like, yeah. oh, I got a routine. I run, I hang out. I've got my wife here. And I'm like, this is nice. I know. It's funny because, like, humans are so adaptable, like, at heart. Like, that's how we've survived this long. And I feel like it's been long enough. I feel the same way, too, of, like, oh, like, when they, they're they like, we're going into phase one. I'm like, oh, shit, I just got used to this life. And you're making me do a different one now? No, I, Okay. Yeah, that's how I feel about like comedy. Like, yeah, I have a date in July, the end of July in Tampa. Like, I've had so many things cancel, obviously, but I'm like, yeah. I don't want to go to Tampa. I'm like, I like it right here. <laughs> I don't want to get on a plane. Like, I I did that for so long that now I'm doing this for so long that I'm like, I don't want to go back to the road. That stinks. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely getting accustomed to this uh, sitting at home and you know doing what we do thing. Um, it's going to be hard to go back to work. That's for sure. Like mm-hmm. just in general, like how am I going to, I'm, I don't want to go back on the subway ever and just go into work five days a week from nine to five. Like why? I don't know if I can do that. I'm, I like my hours now. Um, <laughs> so, but speaking of getting accustomed to things, Joe, uh, you recently did a comedy show right in the story of Queens in a parking lot. And I want to talk about that because there is a hilarious clip going around and you know i'm sure you didn't find it very funny at the time but it's getting heckled by a car, car horn and uh, <laughs> i just want to or, or were that or was that them trying to express laughter just in the worst <laughs> way possible no so that clip was well originally they said so we did a show it was drive-in comedy which i think bert kreischer is doing like a tour of these and it might be some kind of future of comedy or, or at least in the yeah. near future um but yeah, it was a parking lot of a diner, Bel Air Diner, which is kind of a famous-ish diner out here. And we did stood on the back of a pickup truck and like there was like 50 cars all lined up and people sitting and we did stand up for it. But right when I went on stage, right on, on the bed of a truck, um, there was like an actual traffic honk. That was like a legitimate Queens traffic backed up, like lay on the horn honk. Yeah. Um, but when they started the show, I went on last, but when they started the show, they were like, give a little honk if, instead of applause, if you like it. And somebody immediately called the police. <laughs> they <were> like, <laughs> it was like 50 cars just all laying on their horn. And like these like old Greek neighbors were like, you, what is this? You can't have people laying on their horn. So we had to go back up there and be like, no more laying on the horn, but click your headlights. We flick the headlights, which is actually less distracting. Um, so it was nice. I got a few headlight breaks and um, <laughs> it ended up being pretty fun, actually, because it did feel like it's a show. You could see the people laughing and there was enough people kind of standing on the sidewalk. You could hear them laughing. Um, so it was pretty fun. I don't know. It was comedy. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's great. It's great that the crowd was laughing the same way rival gangs used to fight in the 50s. <laughs> uh, so, I mean... Going into it, were you just itching to perform or did you have reservations of like, man, I don't want to do this from a truck? Like, What was your mindset going into it? I definitely, I don't know. I wasn't itching to do it. And like my wife and her sister and I have been going for long walks every day around like five and the show is at 6 p.m. So we've been going for these walks and like I'll get a cupcake and we just walk and walk like a couple hours. And it's so funny because I haven't had a show or an obligation really. I mean, I'm doing podcasts obviously, but like 
a real nighttime show, have to be somewhere obligation in three months. And we're walking around being like, shit, I don't want to go to this thing. Like, it's amazing how much you don't want to do things. <laughs> um, so we felt like this is probably going to be a hell gig. Like in the old days when regular times, you'd be like, I wouldn't do this gig for less than $2,000. Um, but now he's like, oh, I'll throw you a few bucks, come down and do it. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not doing anything else. So I was definitely curious how it was going to be and skeptical. But once I did it and you saw comics, we were all hanging out. Backstage was between two dumpsters, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, you start hanging out with comics and then being like, how was it? How, how'd you like them? And that, was, that made me like want to do more, definitely. And trying to remember my act was tough. I should have listened to a set beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big mistake. Are you going to start writing jokes for, for that exact experience again? You know, like... Some, uh, hey, yeah, nice some headlights. <laughs> yeah, hey, nice headlights. <laughs> you know what's weird? is like, I have not even uh, written down really anything this whole three months. It's been a nice break from trying to come up with bits. I've been writing other stuff. Like, I'm trying to write a movie because I was like... I always wanted to do that. And I'm like, if I don't write a movie now, it's never <laughs> happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't written much of anything, but we'll see. Maybe more of these will pop up and it's two blocks from my house. So yeah, I don't know. I have this theory that half joking, but half serious that just, it doesn't matter that you didn't remember your act. Like, first of all, we've all been stuck in quarantine and our brains are atrophying like so bad and people have, haven't had that experience. So I'm sure like the bar is so low. Like people were just happy to be there and be able to experience that. I'm sure nobody was like, oh, Joe List wasn't on his game like he usually was. Yeah, completely. You could tell, it felt like, it reminded me of doing shows in Iraq. Like I went over there a couple of times and did shows for the troops. And like, they're just so grateful. The show sucks because we're out in like a battlefield and it's 120 degrees. But that's how it felt. It's like, you could tell they were like really grateful at all. Like, thanks for your service or whatever. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was definitely like, I had one of those moments where I'm doing a joke that's 20 years old and I'm like, I don't even know how this joke came into my head. But I was like, <laughs> I was out of material. And like three months ago, I was doing 50 minutes every night, 45, 50. And then at eight, every single comic on the show at like six or seven minutes turned to the guy running the show, Jay Nog, and was like, hey, what? where am I at? Like, <laughs> we all were like, what is this? <laughs> I legitimately was like, I think I'm going over. And he's like, you're at eight. And I was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> so it was tough. But that was my fault for not listening to us. I should have like done a little refresher course. But that's also kind of fun too. I mean, if you're a comedy fan, you, underst you understand basically how it works. And it's kind of fun to watch a comic who hasn't been on stage in a, in a long time because of this kind of struggle and like, you know, and being on stage and like being transparent with the audience being like, I don't know what I'm doing up here. And it's like, it's been so long and it's, I mean, that's almost enjoyable to a degree. Yeah, I think so. I think the audience also was like, we get it. We don't know what's going on because they're living yeah. that too in their life. And um, yeah, so I definitely think there was a lot of give. Nobody was like, you know what? This sucked. Everybody was confused and kept, you know, whatever, messing up bits. But I do think they switched it to PG-13 because everyone just did their regular acts. Like my wife, Sarah Talamash, like she did some dirtier stuff. And then Aaron Berg was on the show, who's very irreverent. And we were sitting there. I'm like, it's six o'clock. We're outside. There's people possibly. I'm like, this cannot sustain like this. So then I think the memo's gone out. It's PG-13 now. And I'm like, nah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It is weird to stand in a parking lot 
during the daylight and just be like, yeah, so I fucked my wife or whatever, whatever the <laughs> bit is. You can see people being like, what? <laughs> um, yeah that's really like double like you're like comedy you're not supposed to do it outside and you're not supposed to do it during the daylight and you were both yeah we did there was a lot of things that were hell about it and also we did not know we were gonna be standing on the bed of a truck so sarah my wife wore a mini skirt <gasps> and just had to like do like this weird legs together like roll up onto a truck <laughs> and then oh, no. her opening line was like hey did everybody just see my pussy <laughs> which was really <laughs> funny <laughs> Like, but as soon as we walked in and looked at it, you're like, that's not going to be good. Yep. Um, so. All for the PG-13. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Even if she kept it clean, she, you know, everyone say, Maybe it's the skirt that was really the, it's, the last straw. It's kind of funny how a uh, full circle it's gone because, you know, every, every comic who really starts out has done those surprise bar shows where you go to a bar, you're going to do a, an open mic or something, and no one in the bar knows it's comedy night. And you're like, surprise, jokes. And everyone's like, shut up. And oh, like, yeah. Wow, now we're doing the same thing in parking lots. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, ambush comedy, we call yeah. it. And um, that's exactly what it – well, it felt like that for the people on the perimeter because it's yeah. in like a mall. Like there's a bank there. Not like a whatever, a mall, like a strip thing. Like there's it's like a, a shopping center. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the people that were there, they were there to see a show. And it was – packed I mean, if that's what you want to say i mean there was like 40 cars and two or three people in each car some had like four people in it so yeah when i first saw when i first heard about that which was days ahead of time i just like went to their website to be like oh yeah how far away is this diner what's going on with that and it was already sold out yeah they they packed it out. i guess they've been doing movie night there yeah. and i think they had a dj even which i don't know what you do with that if he's dancing your car i don't know in your car yeah so they're doing it weekly now. So we'll see. Uh, for those who don't know, the diner, if you have ever watched uh, the Seinfeld co comedians getting coffee in cars, it's the diner that him and Howard Stern go to in that episode. So just to help paint a picture for those listening, that's the, that is the diner that we are talking about. And yes, they do uh, drive in movie night, but Joe, how does the audio work? Do they, do you speak into a microphone and it goes into their cars like an old drive through movie or are you like on a megaphone and they stick their head out the window? No. So it's both. So there was a wireless mic with like, uh, you know, amplification system, um, amps, I think they call it. <laughs> I really went for the full four, but I think also you can, um, turn onto it like an FM channel. So some people had their windows open. We're just listening to the speakers and then some just had it on the radio, I guess. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I know. Uh, apparently, now Jim Gaffigan's doing one in somewhere in New Jersey, and it's like a huge parking lot. And as you said earlier, this could be a this could be a new thing. Even post COVID, this could be a thing. Um, and I, I think it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm glad comics are doing it and they're willing to try something new just to, you know, just to knock the rust off. If if not, you know, explore a new avenue of performing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, that's like. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, no, go ahead, Amy. I was going to say, that's just an interesting thing to even think about of, like, how how long will, will – okay, let's pretend all of the phases go through and we get to start opening up comedy clubs in New York City again sometime in July. Like, but all summer long, will people keep doing the drive-in kind of shows because people still feel reticent about going inside a small enclosed building, but they feel totally fine doing that. And, like, will there be – you know, once more businesses that do comedy stuff kind of have the green light to do things like where else will this tentacles go to of like, okay, here are different things we do now. 
because everything is different now. Yeah, it's interesting. Like there could be some more like innovations like that. I mean, I think like people like Gaffigan, who it's understandably, I think everyone has um, empathy for people that are uh, live paycheck to paycheck and then they lost their job. So they're in deep trouble. But there's also people like Jim Gaffigan, who is used to making tons of money. And again, I'm not like, let's all cry for Jim Gaffigan or whatever, or people (laughs) that are rich. But like, he's got five kids that I assume all go to private schools that cost $50,000 a year. And he lives in a nice place. I don't know what his, I don't know Jim. I mean, I know him. We're friendly. But some of these people, like, he's got to be like, I got to make some of this money. Like, he's got an enormous nut, I would imagine. And is like, hey, get a drive through together. I got to at least make some money. I'm, obviously, he's making money from residual whatever. But I'm sure there's part of him that's like, I can't go too long without, because he probably makes $50,000 a show. So he's like, can yeah. we throw together a couple of these just to? <laughs> yeah, you got you to um, maintain a lifestyle. And like you yeah. said, he's got, he's got five kids. That lifestyle yeah. isn't lavish. It's raising his kids. Right, exactly. And uh, yeah, New York City schools are not cheap. I don't know. I mean, they might go to public school. Again, I don't want people to think I'm best friends with Gaffigan. And I'm like, here's his financial situation. (laughs) My point is a lot of comics are like, hey, I gotta gotta make some dough here. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Whether you live paycheck to paycheck or, you know, you had a fairly steady income that was middle class from comedy, you don't have that right now. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm like, thank God for podcasts and Patreon. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm Patreon only. And then fans that have just Venmoed uh, like five bucks at a time, which is like, Aww. I feel like George Bailey. It's so nice. Oh. That is so nice. Well, well yeah. speaking, speaking of that, Joe, we had uh, your co-host uh, Mark Norman on the, the podcast not too long ago. And he was saying that you and him used to be stand-up comics that did a podcast. And now you're pretty much professional podcasters that used to do stand-up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I said to him like a weekend. I was like, all right, we're podcasters now. We got to start really doing this thing. Like, if, like, a, like, like he said, like the podcast before is just like, ah, and then we'll give people, we'll do this. This will be fun to do. And now it's like, all right, this is what we do now. This is our job. Because um, I, don't, I don't know when we'll be able to work. Like some comics are going back to work right now. Um, but I feel like for me, I'm like, I'm good right here i'm gonna let everyone else test the waters and and see also i don't have anything booked until the end of july but um yeah we'll we'll see i don't know like flying every week i'm not really interested in doing again i didn't like it when there was no infectious virus that was killing people so yeah um that's like that's a weird thing too i so i've looked up a couple of things of like trains and and flights and stuff like that it's so weird how much like uh, safety, health and safety theater is going on as opposed to like, this is stupid, you idiots. Like all of them had, all the ones I saw were like, yeah, you must keep your mask on while you're boarding and you must keep your mask on when you go to the bathroom. And if you, you know, you can take it off at your seat. And I'm like, these seats are two inches from each other. What? Right. It's, it's all just, it feels very arbitrary. Um, and like obviously now, like the all the marches are happening in the protests, which I'm supportive of. But it really is wild that like I've watched so much news in the last three days, and there was like zero mention of COVID. Where I'm like, <laughs> wait, what is going on here? Yeah. Because I mean, 
before it was, if you go outside, if you're near each other, it's going to be crazy. And we're watching like hundreds of thousands of people, which again is inspiring and, and, and wonderful. But you're like, are, is everyone getting sick or is this? And then they were kind of like, well, they're outside, so it might not be so bad. And then I'm like, well, let's go to some baseball games then. What are we doing yes, like, yeah. outside? What the hell? Like, let's do, like you said, more comedy shows in Central Park and all the parks. Yeah, yeah I, it's, it's an interesting point that you brought up. I mean, you know, like you said, the, look, the protests and uh, the rallies and stuff, I'm all for, and I'm glad it's happening. It needs to happen. But we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And by all accounts of what we've been told in a week from now, the numbers should go back up. And if they don't, what do we take from that? Like, so what do we do? What have we been doing here? Well, that's an interesting thing. Cause like Joe, what you were saying of it, you know, the global pandemic became a B story for Christ's sake. It was like, Oh, I don't even know what's going on. And we were talking the staff chat about like, Wait, so did was there a Memorial Day spike? What's going to happen is if there's a protest spike, are we still on for phase one? Blah, blah, blah. So I like went and I looked it up with the city data and there so far has been no major post-Memorial Day spike that would endanger the, the metrics that we have for opening for phase one right now, which is like, what does that mean? Like, is it that, and like, I've seen this really interesting article that basically is like, yeah, being inside, you might as well kill yourself. And being outside, you're probably fine. Like, yeah, so I like guess it'll... Don't worry about the runner that jogged past you without a mask. They're not going to get you sick. If you're sitting in an Italian restaurant for more than 20 minutes, you're going to die. Yeah, it's funny. Sarah and I were laughing yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago. We were just talking about everything that's going on. She was like, remember when we were mad at joggers? <laughs> it was a time where like that was the top of like these people jogging fuck them these assholes yeah and now it's like we're watching fifty thousand people have a dance party no masks singing all together locking arms and and yelling with the droplets um so i'm like i don't know what's going on but i, I keep hearing now outdoors there's not a lot of evidence of outdoor tra- transmission there's not a lot of evidence of surface either it is that like yeah. prolonged inside um thing and also i think there is some truth to the warm weather although south america was having cases so i, I don't know i've heard the sun the virus hates the sun <laughs> i don't i, I actually I don't know. heard it's it's a it's a humidity thing hey babies it is me the self-appointed commissioner of comedy james matter I just want to tell you that every week I'll be wherever you listen to podcasts with my show, The Commissioner of Comedy. I've been doing this, babies, for almost 20 years, grinding up and down, and I'm here to convey it to you about the do's and don'ts of the comedy scene, the proper etiquette, the unwritten rules, if you will. Whether you're just a fan, or you're a young buck starting out, a grizzled old vet, or just someone who wants to peek behind the curtain and see how the sausage gets made, tune into the podcast, The Commissioner of comedy this is what it's about it's only on paper house network and it's for you babies it's for you oh is that what it is yeah so the science behind it is that the more humid it is uh hold on i want to say this right so one thing is when the air is humid your your droplets get bigger they coalesce bigger so they fall to the ground faster so they don't have as much trajectory is the first thing and then the second thing is that it has something to do with the virus being on the inside or the outside of the droplet. And now I don't remember the specifics of which 
means, which basically when it's more humid, the virus is in a more vulnerable vulnerable position while it's going through the air, whereas when it's less humid, it's actually kind of like protected as it goes through the air. So uh, yeah, humidity actually is scientifically helpful in stopping the spread of any virus. Interesting. So I can use the steam room. Once the gym opens, I can hit that yeah. steam room because I'm really missing the steam room and it feels like a death trap, but that makes it seem Apparently, like it's, it's, it's probably safer than the room with the ellipticals. It is, All right. it is kind of odd to me, though, uh, that the entire world shut down because of something that can be killed with soap and sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> like something's not adding up to me with that, with that uh, theory. But um, I actually read, and by read, I mean listened to on the Rogan podcast, that vitamin D is a direct correlation. If you have a vitamin D deficiency that uh, the COVID-19 actually will cause more havoc inside your body, which is ironic because the way that we're trying to stop it is staying indoors. So going outside, getting sunlight and increasing your vitamin D actually helps fight the virus, which I think makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, that's great because I've been going outside every day a bunch. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I mean the humidity thing, but I'm like, didn't they have a massive outbreak in Brazil also yeah well so, the thing is it's not going to have as big effect as it would on like the flu so i'm sorry to be doctor everybody no right i appreciate now, but, it uh because the thing is the reason why seasonally flus and colds and things that we we normally get go so far down in the summer also has to do with herd immunity and so we just don't have enough herd immunity to like build up to this new virus that it's going to you know like do the summer magic so that's why like like if it's if it's just being introduced into your environment it doesn't matter how humid or warm it is like you might do a little better than a cold environment but like everybody's gonna get sick because nobody's got immunity weird boy yeah. so much in but the nice thing i keep thinking is the longer you go without having it the better because more and more information comes out i still like i remember reading a thing at some point that said, like, if you get it now, you're in a much better position than you were if you got it two weeks ago. Because early on, they were like, we don't know what to do and yeah. all that stuff. So it seems like my thing has always been like, let me just not get this for a while. Let them kind of figure it out a little bit. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I also think there's something to be said about the idea that you can be exposed to it and actually have it and just your body takes care of it. And I think there is something to be said. I don't want to downplay the severity of this. And I don't want to be one of those people that's they're like, yeah, just get your immune system better. Like, but it helps. It really does. It really does. You know, having a healthy immune system helps in general. And I think that especially in New York, Queens, New York, to be specific, you know, like we're almost better off because there's no way that we haven't been at least exposed to it by now. And if we're feeling well, that we don't have any symptoms or we're asymptomatic. I think that's a better thing for the, as, as you said, the herd immunity to it. And um, I, I don't know, maybe that's just me being optimistic and just hoping things work out well. I know I can tend to do that sometimes, but um, I don't know. I, I kind of think we're, I think we're in a better swing and hopefully that we'll be okay with that in no come November. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I have like, I'm one of those people that I was sick right when this first started, like when we went into quarantine, I had a, a cough, mm -hmm. like it was bad at night and in the morning. Um, and I was like, oh, I got something, whatever. But I was like, there's no way it's COVID because all we're hearing is COVID, you know, 
kills you and you drown in your own blood and you shit your pants and die or whatever. And then now through time, when they're like so many people are asymptomatic, some people just have this and that. I'm like, shit, maybe I had it. I mean, like I was flying all over. I was at comedy clubs right before I was at Madison Square Garden the last night before quarantine. Oh my God. At a college basketball game. Um, so I don't know. Then I'm like, maybe I was one of the people that just had like a shitty, annoying cough for a few days. So I guess I should get an antibody test. But I still feel like I'm like, I don't think that was it. But um, some people, I guess, have had it and they didn't even feel anything. So who knows? Yeah, I know. I was yeah. pretty sick in February. Um, I It was like before there was any cases in New York. And at the time, I was like, well, it's not here yet. But now that we learned it, you know, it was here. Uh, so I, there's a part of me that thinks I had it, but I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I haven't gotten tested. I kind of want to, I want to go get the test and get the, see if I have the antibodies and stuff. But Amy, you were saying like, that's not really reliable too, right? Well, now that I think they're starting to narrow it down, but yeah, there was kind of a, a period where it was like snake oil of like, Oh, anybody can say they have an antibody test and you can pay them $120 and take it, but it doesn't mean anything. Cause they were like, I forget it was 12 or 15 different companies that were manufacturing them, but in testing, only three of the tests gave like a statistically appropriate, like false positive, false negative kind of a thing. So it was like, yeah, if you're just going to CVS or, you know, UMD or CityMD and taking the test, who knows if they're using the good one or not. But I think that in the past couple of weeks, that's been kind of clamped down on. Yeah, I remember hearing a couple stories that, one of the one of those tests was like 50% accurate. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, you might as well flip a coin to see if you have had COVID or not. Yeah. But then uh, they said too, like some of that they had to readjust because it was based on, um, oh yeah, that's what it was. It was based on an estimated number of how many people must have gotten sick. You know, they were like, well, we assume 30% of people got sick. So this test is going to blah, 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 blah. And then... Um, I think it was MIT, no, Columbia. I don't know. Somebody took a bunch of actual blood from patients uh, or whatever biological matter they spit. I don't know what they use. Uh, and so they did an actual test where they had controls of like, we know these people had it and we know these people didn't. Um, and that's how they got to where they're like, okay, these three tests are good. Interesting. So Amy, it seems like you've read a ton. You're like yes. an expert. So I, what I, obsessive might be another uh, word for it, but yeah, what? Well, so do you have hope? Is there any hope? Because that's what I need all the time. I need someone <laughs> oh, yeah. to give me someone that knows shit to be like, no, no, it's looking a lot better. Yeah, here, okay, here's all of my feelings of hope. Um, my first feeling of hope is the fact that there was no significant Memorial Day stri- like spike. That is very interesting to me, and I don't know what it means, but it could mean something about transmission or something about, you know, the immunity that people do have or the number of people, uh, you know, who are asymptomatic versus who are going to have to go to a hospital. Because again, right now you're voluntarily getting tested. So if you don't feel sick, you don't go in. So maybe a bunch of people got it Memorial Day weekend, but they got the good kind, you know? So that's, there's something very positive to me about that. I don't know what it means, but it just seems like we might learn something from that that will give us even more hope. Um, and then, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens with these protests. Like in about a week, this may, this may change. My other uh, hope is that the vaccine seems to be coming along really quickly. Um, 
And, you know, normally that can take years and we should have one, they say 12 to 18 months, which is great. Um, and so that means we just have to get through one winter and then we can start getting, uh, you know, basically get to that point where there's not enough susceptible people that the virus can keep breeding. Right. Um, and honestly, I mean, like Nick was saying with like soap and water, it, it seems like, you know, once everyone started taking things seriously, like don't cough in people's faces and wash your hands when you get home, that really did stop the spread of transmission. And there was this great article, um, I forget where this guy was from, but um, he basically did six different scenarios and, you know, plotted out the how things will go. And there is actually a scenario where if you do proper social distancing, everyone's washing their hands, wearing a mask, doing all those things, we can actually eradicate the virus or get it to under R1, which is basically like being eradicated. That means each person is um, infecting less than one person. So eventually the virus dies out because it doesn't have a host um, just through that. Like if everyone's really scrupulous about that, you actually can get there before we have a vaccine. So those oh, are two things that give me hope. Wow. Well, and I also, I heard something about um, this, the, the vaccine is moving along because they had been working on like SARS and these other coronaviruses for like years. They kind of had a head start by working yeah. on coronaviruses. Uh, but then I hear someone be like, yeah, but we never got a vaccine for HIV. Like some things never get a vaccine. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know that is actually, I mean, I don't want to turn on and give you not hope, but the one thing that is, worrisome to me is that we do not know what your lasting immunity is what if you get it or if you get the vaccine you know is it like you know mumps or whatever where you get it once when you're a kid and you're protected the rest of your life or is it like the flu where you gotta get it every year or does it only last for whatever oh but on the good side of that so far they've found that this virus is mutating much less quickly than uh, like an annual flu or even the common cold and that's why those are so hard to vaccinate against because they mutate so quickly that you're just kind of guessing what you're trying to immunize people against. Whereas this is mutating very, very slowly. So odds are very good that once the vaccine is developed, it will be very effective. Wow. Boy, I feel like I'm talking to a doctor. This is great. <laughs> this is what I needed. Well, I got a lot of the best thing I've watched or heard about the whole thing was early on, I don't even know this guy's name or who he was, John Krakauer, the writer, who's my favorite writer. He just posted it, and it was like an ER doctor from here in New York. I don't know if you saw this video. It was on, like, Vimeo. And this doctor was like, he came on, and he was like, man, uh, I just went saw some scary shit. I was at the hospital all day and yada, yada, and people bleeding out of their lungs, whatever. He goes, but I feel good because he's like, I uh, hope. He goes, because I know I'm not getting this thing. And he's like, I know that because you just have to take proper precautions, like wear a mask, wash your hands, and you should be okay. He's like social distancing. Like if you take the proper precautions, you shouldn't get it by social distancing, washing your hands and wearing a mask and don't let people, you know, it's that like talking in a closed area with no mask exposed um, time. But he was kind of saying like, he talked early on about like, there's not, if, as long as you're washing your hands and not touching your face, that was the other yeah. thing he said, just not touching your face until you've washed your hands with, don't touch your face with unwashed hands and wear a mask if you're talking with other people. 
And he's like, that should keep you pretty safe. Um, so I was kind of like, all right, I'll go with this guy. So I've been trying to do that. And so far, so good. Yeah, those, those methods seem to be working well. And they kind of go in with what Amy was saying. Of like, you know, if we just follow the rules still, you know, there does look like there's a positive um, you know, outcome with this. In fact, it was uh, the Bill Maher show, you know, from what we were talking about earlier is I saw, saw a doctor on there basically kind of say like, look, listen, can't live in a bubble. Like you can't live in a bubble in general. It's not good for you. So, you know, being out there isn't the worst thing to do. And I've kind of taken that to heart and I've, I've been, uh, cause in the beginning I was terrified. I thought it was a zombie apocalypse. Go outside, you melt. And now right. I've kind of gone the other way and I'm just like, you know, look, listen, it's, I've gone, several months and I've felt pretty good and I, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to see what, see what happens and build up my immunity and, and whatnot. So I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I have, I have high up the, uh, uh, opinions about this and the, you know, I think I'm very optimistic about it and it's nice to hear Amy be optimistic about it because about a month ago, geez, <laughs> she was, a she was reading all the negative reviews and all the negative stories <laughs> so it's, it was, it's yeah. nice to hear Amy COVID, have a little bit of hope star. <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I've had hope the whole time I think we're just in a weird position all of us because we work in comedy and different you know things and so we have a certain motivation to want things to go a certain way and the part that's very negative that I have no way around yet and I haven't found anything that makes me feel better about is what we do is one of the most dangerous things you can do to spread coronavirus you sit in an enclosed space for a long enough period of time while people are talking and laughing uh the viral load in the air that then gets circulated through the you know air conditioning or whatever you've got going on for ventilation in that room is like what caused super spreading events i mean not necessarily there's no comedy club specific event but there's like specific events that can trace people to like everyone in connecticut got it from this one guy it started at this one restaurant that he went to uh, so that, that's the part that makes me feel very negative. Like personally, when I look at like, oh, what is my life to become? What is our life to become? What is this thing that is very meaningful to me? You know, what is, what is going to happen with that in the future? Like, that's the part that I actually feel very sad and hopeless about. Uh, but the general human, the, the general human race in our society, I feel, I feel okay about. Yes, I concur. <laughs> um, but hopefully a vaccine we get a vaccine yeah. and then you know you, fine. you shoot it right in their asses they get we have a two two drink one vaccine minimum <laughs> at the uh, comedy club or we can just buy a parking lot you know the new york comedy yeah. lot and then we'll, we'll just start that we'll start that racket well not to be more of a bummer but yeah like new york city comedy specifically feels because the clubs yeah. are so small and there's no there's not even like, like some clubs, it's like, oh, we just opened the back door. So air is flowing through. Like, that's the nice thing about comedy club, New York comedy club, the cellar, all those clubs are like, kind of yeah. like tight, small, Dingy, no window, yeah. dark, no, no windows, you know, basement -y. like it's, that's the uh, appeal is yeah. the lack of ventilation. <laughs> the same, the same way we used to describe the clubs as an attraction, you know, intimate, dark the laughter can't escape well now mm -hmm. it's like well now you can't escape yeah. and neither can the virus and there you go it's uh. yeah yeah but like, nice low ceilings yeah but like <laughs> like the irvine improv or you know uh, any old yuck yucks or or whatever levity 
like those are so huge it does even though like I have my little you know cunty thing about like well that's a different kind of comedy than what we're doing over here but like it it does give you the opportunity to make it a much safer safer environment than you can in these New York clubs where it's like oh this is the whole point <laughs> right God, I only I only miss comedy when I'm talking comedy. Like I don't even <laughs> I haven't even thinking about it. I'm like, this is so nice. And I did another podcast called like um, Highway to Hell Gig, I think, and it was all about Hell Gig. And it was making me really miss stand up. And like thinking of being in New York Comedy Club makes me just want to uh, I want it back. Well, I'm I'm glad we could bring you down for a little bit, Joe. That's what I'm <laughs> here for. Um, but before we go, uh, I would be remiss to not you know, at least you know talk about this. You're a sports guy. I'm a sports guy. Amy, you're always on the show when I want to talk sports. What? So I apologize. Because you always want to talk sports. That's true. <laughs> uh, but no, just in general though. Just in general though. Like, what what do you think is gonna like? Are we gonna have a baseball season? Is there gonna, is football gonna be ready? I mean, I apparently NHL and NBA want to come back, but I almost think that's dumb because I think people are gonna get hurt. I don't know what what's your what's your feelings and all that. I don't know. Well, first of all, selfishly, I'm like ah, I don't care about their well being. I'm like I want to watch sports, <laughs> so I'm like um, same with like brain damage, all that stuff. I'm like I'm not. I should be empathetic, but I'm like I feel. I'm like I want my entertainment. God damn it. Yeah. Um, Baseball to me, again, with like the protest, not to uh, make an equivalency between protesting for human rights and watching baseball, but I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like if we can sit outside, maybe don't sell it to capacity, whatever, but people wear masks. Um, I know they're having a lot of like uh, union disagreements, the baseball players, because they don't want to take pay cuts and there's less revenue, yada, yada. But I've heard talk of a 50 game season in front of no one. I don't know. But um, I would like it to come back, selfishly. Football, to me, college football particularly, seems to be the most insane idea because those are like 70, 80, 100,000-seat stadiums. Like, I don't know how you can get 110,000 people together. Michigan Stadium in Tennessee, whatever that stadium's called. They seat 105,000 people. It's like that just seems a little bit um, insane to me. Ohio Stadium has 100,000 people, so... I don't know what's going to happen, but those are also a lot of those are in the South and the Midwest where people are like, this virus is bullshit. So that makes me a little anxious to have a bunch of people that believe it's not real and have, you know, six figure amount of people together yelling. Yeah. The call, that's an interesting point because the college football season is right. It's going to be right at the time when, if there was going to be a second wave, that's when it was going to happen, you know, September, October. And, uh, I mean, college football brings in so much money for the states. Like, you know, the highest paid person in a lot of states is usually the college football coach. And it's, you know, people aren't going to be, they're not going to not, they're not going to be like, yeah, that's okay. You know, we just won't have the games. Like they can't, they rely on that. They rely on that income. The entire, the entire community does. And so I think we're going to have to, we're just going to have to wait and see. And hopefully, we'll have a little bit, a lot more data by then because, you know, you know, like, like you said, I'm selfishly hoping for sports and I'm hoping football comes back, you know, full force. Uh, but I don't know this, that could be, that could be the turning point. We could be doing so well up until about September, October, and then college football season comes and one bad tailgate. Next thing you know, we're back to square one. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. It's definitely uh, a risk. So yeah. I, I don't know. 
I just don't, I don't, I don't, if everything changes and I don't know what, it all makes me just come back to like, all right, what can I do? I'm just going to wear my masks and, you know. That's right. That's all you can do. That's all you can do is just wear your mask, wash your hands, go out and get some vitamin D. I think if we've learned anything through this podcast, it's go outside, get in the sunlight. <laughs> I'm going to go outside right now. That's perfect. So, uh, Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, the podcast is Tuesdays with Stories. Uh, you and Mark Norman. It's a very, very funny podcast. And you said it's uh, Patreon only, correct? No, no. Patreon, it's it's free. Uh, the, the regular full episode is free. And then we have a Patreon that's got some bonus stuff. And can I plug my other podcast? I have a new podcast called yeah. Mindful Metal Jacket. And it's sort of a mental health podcast, one-on-one with me and another comic. And it's starting to gain some traction. I think it's a good time for people to check it out because it's all about anxiety and meditation and such. So check that out as well. Yeah. That's really awesome. Two thumbs up. That, oh, that's fantastic. Coronavirus yeah. one star, mindful metal jacket, five stars. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> mindful metal jacket. All right. Well, Joe, thanks for a lot. Uh, stay safe, buddy. You know, hopefully things will start going up on the upswing as Amy's, Amy's hopeful hints were, what was it? What'd you say? <laughs> Amy's hopeful tips. I don't know what you called it, but it was great. So uh, hopefully everything's on the up and up and thanks for coming by and we will talk to you guys soon. This was the New York comic club podcast brought to you by paper house network. Thanks for listening to the New York comedy club podcast. Make sure you like subscribe, share and leave a comment. And for tickets to the club, check out New York comic club.com.